The most important part of studying actually occurs before you even start to relearn or learn the material you're going to be graded on. This episode is the companion to episode 03, The Do's and Don'ts of Studying. In this episode, we break down how to create a study plan that is mindful, achievable, and flexible. We'll also explore the reasons a study plan fails and what to do. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode four of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. This episode may seem aspirational for some of you. Your students still may be informing you of a test the night before, or you could still be finding out about a test after the fact, or even have a teacher that doesn't give you a lot of notice. Lots of students will get in the car and tell you about their day, and that's when you find out about a test that happened that day. (laughs) That student isn't ready for this episode yet. You're still working with them and their team, if there is one, on having them take control of their time and their calendar. When they're in control of their time and calendar, there's no more academic blindsides. We'll be doing an episode on how to cope with an academic blindside down the road. If you're still working with your student on how to take control over their time, be sure to go to episode 02, the first in our executive functioning series, called How to Calendar. That episode gives a lot of information about how to help your student take control over their time and not have their time control them. There are several steps for students to take before they actually embark on studying. In this episode, we will outline the five steps for creating a study plan. And just so you know, most students skip steps one through four. And this is why it's really important to know that it's not about time spent on studying. It's quality over quantity. And a lot of you have kids that say, oh, I studied for, you know, three hours on this. And if it's not efficient studying, then it's not going to make a difference how long they studied. So if your student is taking hours to study but not yielding any results, isn't making the grade that they want or you wanted for them, and isn't able to tell you what they studied, then this is really going to help you. The first step of studying is not actually getting into the information. It's literally finding out when the test is and putting that date onto your calendar. Now, we're assuming at this level, like we've said, that the student's calendar is fully booked out with all their commitments, all their sports, religious school, individual tutors, any after-school commitments need to already be in their calendar so that they can make an appropriate and achievable plan for themselves. And step two for creating a study plan is really my favorite. Mm -hmm. As soon as you find out about the test, you have to take stock of what you know and what you don't know. And this is a biggie for a lot of my students. A lot of students study what they already know. And we've talked about this a little bit, but it's important to really take stock. And Rachel taught me this technique, and I think it's wonderful. So what we like to use is the red light, green light technique, which is just one strategy to assess what you know. And the way to do that is taking highlighters. And I usually do a green one and a pink one. And 
I have the students go through and highlight green, what they already know, and the red, what they don't know. So I do this a little bit different. I'm just going to jump in. And it depends on the student. It depends on their age. And it depends on the complexity of what they're going over. Of course. But I have them use a red, yellow, and green highlighter. So they're actually creating three different categories. The first is is green, which is a go, meaning they already know this information. They feel really confident about it, and they don't need to spend a ton of time on anything highlighted green. Yellow is I sort of know it. I feel I I feel like I could BS it well enough on the test or put together the pieces well enough, but it's not a strength. It's not a green. And the third is the red, which means stop. They don't know it and really need to spend some time turning those reds into greens. And also just to add, I take the part that are the reds and I actually have them break down if there's anything that they don't understand versus what they just don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's just an added part. Before step two is complete, I have students go through their study guide and write and label how many greens, how many yellows, and how many reds they have. So for example, when they are done with this step, we will know if there are eight greens, eight yellows, and eight reds. Now, it'll never actually be this nice and neat and clean. What will mostly happen if the student is engaged in the classroom and has been working on this subject for a while is they will usually have a lot of greens. They will usually have some yellows and some reds. So maybe a more realistic number tally would be 12 greens, eight yellows, and six reds. This is also something that gets finely tuned over time because a lot of times students won't necessarily know what they do or don't know, which is why this is such a critical step to do any time they're studying so that they can get more in tune. And this actually is something that goes faster and faster the more they've built up this taking stock muscle. Step three in creating a study plan is chunking. And what we mean by chunking is breaking the whole into tiny, small, easy, and manageable pieces. And that makes it much more doable and less aggravating. And once you do that, I see a lot of students actually sigh, a sigh of relief about Mm -hmm. really what is being asked of them when you chunk it down. So now we have to figure out how many days we actually have to study. So I want to add one more thing onto the chunking. Steph and I use Google Docs when we're writing this episode. Here's a little, I'm pulling the curtain back for our audience. (laughs) And Steph, I don't know if you noticed, but I actually put that in quotes. So what it actually says for (laughs) chunking is breaking the big hole into tiny, small, easy parts and making it much more doable and less aggravating. And the reason that I put it in quotes is because I literally asked a student, how would you define chunking? And that's what he told me. I like and it. And I say, great, it's going in the episode. I like it. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. even really notice the quotes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Step four of creating a study plan is calendaring the plan. I want to be really clear. 
we haven't started studying yet. That's actually the last step of creating a study plan is the actual studying. But steps one through four, which I'll remind you, are finding out when the test is, taking stock of what you know and what you don't, chunking the material into manageable parts. And now step four, calendaring the plan, are all action steps to take before even starting studying. So this is how you calendar the plan. You always, always, always start with the day of the test and work your way backwards. So let's imagine the test is 10 days out. Now, Steph and I had a little debate before we started recording this episode about most students don't get 10 days, but everything that we're teaching in this episode is really flexible to the individual student. It's just the framework for how to think about creating a study plan. So let's imagine we have 10 days. So day 10 is the day of the test. Day nine, which is the day before the test, you calendar nothing. I call it a buffer day. Steph calls it a review day. Whatever you call it, The day before the test, you learn no new information and is a review-only day. That means all the material by this day should be greens. There should be no yellows and no reds left, if you remember our red light, green light strategy for step two. Now we have eight actual days to study and review. To keep this simple, I'm going to say you have discovered in step two taking stock of what you know, and step three, chunking, that you have eight greens, eight yellows, and eight reds. So for day one, you would plan to review one green, one yellow, and one red. This all gets put into your calendar as an all-day event if you're using a Google Calendar. Studying for the day is complete once all yellows and reds have been turned into greens. So every day you would plan it out. So like for day seven, you would plan to study the seventh green, the seventh yellow, and the seventh red. Now there's a caveat to this. And one more thing you must add to your calendar is your calendaring the plan for studying. You must always revisit the previous day's information. In fact, when you're sitting down to start studying for the day, You start with the review, and then you add in the day's assignments. So if you're on day three of studying, you're reviewing day one and day two. This all goes into your calendar. If you're on day eight of studying, you're reviewing all the information from day one through seven. It's about revisiting information over time quickly and efficiently. So step five for creating your study plan is actually studying for the test. So... Be sure to go back to episode three of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast to learn about how important active studying is in this step. So let me go through all of this with a very common test for students in elementary school. And keep in mind, this is just a framework and can be applied to older students, but just to break it down to make it easy. So it seems like it's a rite of passage for all students at some point to be tested on the 50 states and capitals and their locations. Who remembers that? (laughs) Good times. Okay. Step one is finding out when there's a test. So we're going to assume that the student has an evil teacher who would assign all 50 states, capitals, and locations at once. 
And we're going to assume that spelling counts. (laughs) And my head hurts even thinking about it. But let's imagine the teacher has given the student 12 days to prepare. So then you have step two, figuring out what the student knows versus what they need to know. So for the states and capitals test, the student has four major components to know that you have to multiply by 50. So what that means is that you have to know the states. There are 50 states to remember, 50 capitals to remember, the location, 50 places to remember, and the spelling, 50 words to remember. Does your brain hurt yet? That's 200 components that a student is responsible to know in 12 days. So the way to find out and you take stock of this is to give a practice test with a map, just like those practice tests you probably took in elementary school when you had a spelling test or something like that. Let's say the student remembers 25 states, 25 capitals, 25 locations, and 25 words are spelled correctly. Of course, it's unlikely that they remember all four parts, the name of the state, the capital, the location, and the spelling for each state simultaneously. So basically, they have to remember a little here and there. So that's fun. But now we know. Now we have a baseline. Now we can make a plan. So now we go to step three. How many days do they have to review the test? Well, if you remember, the hypothetical test in our scenario is 12 days out. Planning backwards, day 11 is the buffer day. Well, now you know that you have 10 days for the student to learn all 50 states, which would break down to five states a day. And I'm sure you're thinking, oh, it's only five states a day a student can do that, which they absolutely can. But remember, it's not just five states. There are four components for each state. So really, between remembering the state, its corresponding capital, the location, and the spelling, the student is reviewing 20 out of a total of 200 concepts or ideas a day. So day one, the student would review states one through five. Day two would begin with a review of states one through five from the previous day and the new information of states six through ten. Day three, the students review states one through ten and they add in states 11 through 15. This is all planned out visually on their calendar so the students know how to manage their time and what they are responsible for every single day. So now you have an example of how to make a study plan for the 50 nifty United States. <laughs> and with 13 original colonies. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so now that you have that and you can apply it to what your student is working on, there are six reasons why the plan might fail. And so we teach this formula to our clients. And sometimes they come back to us. And this is one of the reasons why a therapy is a long-term game, not a short-term game. We always say it's a marathon, not a sprint, is because it might not always work every single time for every single student. And then we get the opportunity to explore with our clients what happened and why it failed, because it's different for each individual student. And so we have to coach them up on how to not let that happen in the future. Ultimately, we kind of hone in for each student on what works for them. And what's really rewarding as the educational therapist is when they come in and they say, okay, I have a test, but I've already sort of created a study plan. Can you look it over 
to see if it makes sense to you. And then we get to do that. And that's the that's the journey of ed therapy as these students are growing towards independence and autonomy. So the first reason why a study plan might fail is the student fails to create a study plan as soon as they find out about the test. And I'm sure this happens to a lot of mm-hmm. parents and kids where they put it in the back of their mind or didn't hear the teacher or whatever the case is. That is the first reason. I actually last week had a student, he was a high school student, I was looking at 10 pages of questions. And he's told me that it had been assigned on Monday and was due on Friday. And I just felt like it was an unreasonable amount of questions to give for really for four days because it's due on the fifth day. So I kind of pushed a little bit. And I said, when was this assigned? He kept saying today, which was a Monday. And I said, it was assigned on a Monday due for a Friday. And he got this look on his face, which told me everything that I needed to know. (laughs) I can already imagine what it is. (laughs) And I'm not interested ever in making a student feel bad about not doing the right thing. But I just kind of looked at him and I said, okay, why don't you say to me what I should be saying to you right now? And he said, there's no need. I was thinking the whole car ride over here, what you were going to say about this. And even though he totally tried to play it off like it was a last minute assignment, he's like, I've already said everything that you would say. <laughs> it's like, okay, goal accomplished. Yep, like, classic. You know, I mean, that's the thing is like we can teach this strategy until our heads explode, but it's really up to the, each individual student to yeah. – to implement it. Yeah. And you know, I always say, we both agree on this, that it's teaching them how to hold themselves up, not holding them up. And it's a choice not to do something when they know it's ultimately going to help them. And I always remind them of what Oprah says, which is when you know better, you do better. And so that's not always the case with the population that we see, but they do know better. And eventually we do see the habits shift. Yeah. Eventually, and they eventually do better. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, the number two reason why a study plan might fail is they've set out to accomplish too much every day. And this is why a calendar is so critical. If you know you have a day that is busy after school because you have sports and all of that, you need to plan less that day or no review time for that day depending on what the schedule is. You need to count that day out. So for example, if a student has three hours of soccer after school, one of the days she's supposed to be using as a study day, that's not going to be realistic with homework, etc. So therefore, you need to count that day out and adjust the study plan. This is why it's so important that you do this as soon as you find out, because you can make those adjustments and count those days out. I have lots of students who like For example, Tuesdays are a day that they tend to be very busy on. And so I just say, don't plan for Tuesday. It's fine. Don't put that burden on yourself. There's enough time here. And we just need to adjust how much information you're going to be reviewing on the other days. And usually it's not even that much more time that we budget for the other days because we have enough notice. And it alleviates the pressure for the student because we're not even talking about ever putting a study plan together on a day that's busy for them. And that's also an excuse for a lot of students is I my week was so busy. But if you plan at the outset, it's very doable. 
The third reason a study plan may fail was the student didn't have a complete grasp of the knowledge that they're being tested on. A test should be a review of information learned in the classroom, a review of concepts, a review of the homework. And when the student is lost in that part of learning, in the introduction of new information, it's not reasonable to assume that a study plan is going to be effective because they haven't learned the information. You can't do a red light, green light system if they're all reds. And if a student is encountering a situation where everything is all reds and they really don't know what's going on, well, then we have bigger fish to fry than this specific test. Steph, would you agree with that? Yeah. And I would also add in the part where I said I have them really break down what it is if there's anything that they don't actually understand. Because it's really easy to say, oh, I just don't know it. But could you know it? Is it just a matter of practice or Exposure. is that yeah it, yeah or is it memorization for the fifty states for instance or is it something that's much more complex that they haven't a- actually grasped yet? The fourth reason a study plan may fail is because lo and behold, despite all our preaching, they've waited until the last minute. And this is something that with students who have been with me for longer is actually a huge pet peeve of mine. And we get students who come in the day before the test and they haven't even started studying for it. And really, it's too late by then because I'm not into cramming. No. And repetition and practice and exposure over the course of several days in multiple locations with different stimuli around, with different way of incorporating the five senses going back to some of the lessons we taught in episode three, is really critical to how we learn. And so these students really aren't giving themselves much of a chance. And Steph, I'm curious how you respond in session when you get those students who are the last minute crammers. How do you respond? Because I know how I respond, but I don't know that you and I have ever had this specific conversation. We certainly haven't. When I have a kid that has a test the following day that's crammed, I think a lot of my kids probably tend to tell me that they know more than they actually do. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about the cramming situation and and how Mm -hmm. it's not effective. And we talk about all the different studying situations Mm -hmm. and remind them. Yeah. Managing managing their expectations of what grade they are going to get on this test versus what they could have gotten. Exactly. And so it's really more about triage at that point. Yeah. And it's really more about... Uh, When there's something that they don't understand at that point, I tell them to let it go, let it go and not worry about it because it's not worth trying to sit there and learn or figure something out at the last second. And it might be only one question on the test. Right. So really focusing on what damage control they can do at that point. Mm -hmm. So what about you? So I've really thought about this as we've been crafting this episode because I've really gone both ways. and. I think it really comes down to if the student knows better. So if the student knows better, meaning they know how to create a study plan, we've talked about it before, we've made study plans before, they've made study plans independent of me before, then I probably actually won't even review with them. And it's a bit of a tough love lesson. I have several clients that I've said, you know, I totally get that you're freaking out that it's tomorrow, 
but I feel like you should have done better on this because my expectations of them are higher. And so it's uncomfortable, but I often won't let them review for the test in session because it's a lesson to be learned at that point. I will always let the parents know what happened. This is all always a conversation that I have with the parents so that the kid doesn't come home and report, Rachel wouldn't help me. We're looking at the larger scope of these students, right? So it's not about, it's, I am helping them, but with a long-term goal in mind. Now, if a student doesn't know the right thing to do, then yeah, we'll break it down, we'll cram. But for those that do, we take a couple of metaphorical steps backwards, And it really just depends on the individual student, whether or not I'll cram with them. Oftentimes, we're dealing with a lot of anxiety in this moment, too, which is the priority in that moment. So if the anxiety is so pronounced, then I'm going to be studying with the kids because that's what's kind of the presenting issue in that moment is their anxiety. As soon as that anxiety mitigates, whether it's during our session, they start to feel better, or the next session that we have after the test, we have to loop back and address how they even got into that situation in the first place. This is one of the reasons that calendaring, you're going to hear us say time and time again, is so critical. My clients know that I get on them about this. And That being said, we will be doing an episode down the road on academic blindsides. We don't like when they happen to us. An academic blindside is that day before, I often call it this Sunday night, oh crap, (laughs) school is tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. Anxiety. We don't like when it happens to us as the ed therapist. We don't like getting the emails about it. We don't like the what it does to the families because the whole family reacts when there's this last minute urgency on a Sunday night at home. And we don't like what it does to our clients. And it's incredibly common for students not to bring up something until Sunday night when it's a huge project that should have been worked on for two weeks, right? (laughs) Yes, all the time. All the time. And so um, we will be doing an episode on how to handle those academic blindsides. But I feel that this is a meaningful point to say that sometimes the best thing we can do as ed therapists is give them boundaries and help them feel the consequences within reason. If it's a major test, Chances are it wouldn't have happened because I would have known about it. Yeah. But within reason, sometimes it's worth learning that lesson early and young, depending on the individual student. That's true. It's really all about what the student is presenting and how old they are and what's going on and all of those Mm -hmm. different factors. So that's Mm -hmm. important to keep in mind about your student. Mm -hmm. And the fifth reason a study plan might fail is being rigid about it and not being able to make the plan more flexible. So the buffer day is there in case you're not able to stick with the study plan. We've planned it in. While it's ideal to keep it as a review day, sometimes real life gets in the way and it has to be used as a study day. And a lot of times with my clients, I've had had them text me and say, this, this, and this happened. What should I do? And Mm -hmm. we've had to work through talking back and forth about how they're going to readjust. And that's totally fine with me because they're learning. What about you, Rach? One of the things that I love about making the study plan an all-day event in Google Calendar is that you literally can drag the information 
from one day to another. So you can drag the event from, let's say, a Tuesday all-day event and turn it into a Wednesday all-day event. And I show my students this, and I show them how I do it on my calendar. All my clients have seen my calendar. They know how I use it. And I show them that this buffer day is ideal to be used as a review-only day. But don't be afraid to use it. It's like your emergency savings, right? Like we build emergency savings because we're scared of what, God forbid, we lose our jobs or something crazy financially happens. I don't know about you, Steph, but with my emergency savings, I'm like really protective over it. And I don't want to dip into it because I've worked really hard to build that over a long period of time. But that's what it's there for. It's true. You've got to remember that sometimes. Yeah. And the buffer day is there as the emergency savings of their study plan. I like my new little analogy. I've never thought about it like this before, but I think it's really powerful. It is. Agreed. So the sixth reason why a study plan might fail is literally when there's not enough time. So the buffer day gets turned into complete study review day. Meaning from the outset, we're not planning a buffer day. We don't have time. I want to add one thought to when there's not enough time. This is really, truly an opportunity to partner with your child's teachers at this point. If this is something that is happening frequently, oftentimes, if you have a conversation with your child's teachers, they're more than willing to give you a heads up when they have planned a test. So for example, I have clients who are in middle school And this isn't exactly a test, but it's something that we have to plan for. And they're reading novels with their classes. And we have it set up that as soon as the teacher decides on what the next novel is for the class, they send us an email and let us know so that my client, who may take a little longer reading or doesn't quite enjoy it as much or doesn't want to have huge chunks of chapters to read every night, can start planning further out in advance for that book. The same could be said for a test. And teachers are usually really awesome about it and really amenable to doing this with our students. We hope this has been a meaningful episode of the podcast for you. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to connect with us. You can go to our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com. Click on the link to get access to our growing Facebook community. We'd love to hear what sort of challenges you're experiencing with your students or what really resonated about this episode. And if you have ideas about other study tips and tricks, we are building another episode out about that. So this is going to be an ongoing conversation. And um, as always, you can connect with me, Rachel, personally on Instagram at cap, K-A-P-P-E-D therapy, cap ed therapy. And Steph, what about you? I'm at my ed therapist. And also we're on Instagram, Learn Smarter Podcast. If you want to connect with us deeper and are looking to speak with us about something very specific that's going on in your family, you can head to our website and sign up for a strategy session and work with us, and we will be happy to help you with that. We'd be honored to partner with you and help support you in your home. So have a great day, Smarties. Bye. Bye.